On this episode of War No Damn Experts, Rebecca and Maddie have an expert on the podcast that tells them everything they need to know about birding in Great Falls, Montana. Best damn podcast, the best damn town. You want to get up, get ready to get down. Welcome to the greatest damn town in Montana, Great Falls. I'm Rebecca Ingham. And I'm Maricela Hazard. And we're no damn experts. We're getting a little better with our ability to run this podcast because it's the second one this week and I'm pretty excited about it. And we have an expert with us. We do. One that I reached out to and said, hey... (laughs) I know nothing about this topic, and I'm hoping someone else in the community does. And she says, I do. Pick me. Let me tell you everything you ever wanted to know about birding in the Great Falls area. Please welcome to the podcast, the illustrious birding expert, Beth Hill. Well, I don't know about expert. (laughs) I, I can tell you, I have seen over 230 different species in Cascade County. Oh, last year I wasn't even trying, and I think it ended up being 197. Oh, so that's a lot of species, Beth. Yes, and I missed some major ones, and I've added some new ones even this year already. So, huh? Um, So, so new species you've not seen before in Cascade County ever was the one I saw. (laughs) Ever was the one I saw two days ago. How long have you lived here? I have lived in Great Falls since 1983. Okay, so... <laughs> and that's real. I didn't really do much in the way of birding before I got here. Okay. I was bored, and I need to get out and walk every day. Okay. And I ended up walking along the river before the River's Edge Trail was right. even established. And then one day I saw something out there, and I was like, oh wonder what that is. <laughs> so I brought binoculars with me the next day. Okay. So a little bit of a peeping Tom thing going okay. on. Oh, oh my gosh. It's a ringneck duck. Look at that thing. <laughs> you know, it's... Did you have a book? Because there wasn't mm, Google. No. A- at that point, I had gone to a few Audubon chapter meetings. Okay. And they would have bird identification before the meetings. And they go through these birds and you go, yeah, 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 you know. But all of a sudden, it's like... I know that bird. <laughs> I, I saw that in a bird ID, so I, I knew what that one was. So you had the binoculars readily available. She went back with the binoculars. Well, I mean, at yeah, her house. D- yeah, so. the oh. ne- next time I went out, it was like, <laughs> I'm carrying binoculars. And I think I've had them on me ever since. Hmm. So I have a question for you, Beth. Have mm-hmm. you ever listened to our podcast? It's okay if you say no. no. So you're going. if you were to go back and listen to all 64 episodes... <laughs> a reoccurring theme is we know nothing about birds. Like we, nothing. We joke about it. Um, yeah. We, I thought probably faithful listeners, when we said we were going to bring an expert on about something we know nothing about, there was probably going to be hunting because we did one about hunting too. <laughs> but my question is, we know nothing about birds. And then you're all of a sudden saying, I don't have binoculars, but I've already been to autumn. Audubon chapters. Audubon. A-U-D-U-B-O-N. Okay. Audubon. Audubon. Like bonbons. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's people out there that enjoy bird watching and do it religiously. Yes. And then there's people that enjoy just watching the birds at their bird feeder. That's me. Okay. I'm not even at the bird feeder part. Like my husband. Who? My husband got a bird feeder (laughs) at an auction hung it in our tree, and is excited about the birds that come and eat there, except for certain birds. He only wants the pretty birds to show up, not the black birds. So the other day, my husband points out the window and he says, blah, 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 this bird. And I mentioned this on a podcast episode, so I told him I talked about him. And he said, that was a black-eyed something. (laughs) I can't remember now. But he was so excited because he is one of those people that knows all the birds, like you, and has studied them. Well, I've even met a few kids in grade school and junior high Mm -hmm. that knew 
every bird we could throw at them. Wow. Really? Yeah, I, I was just amazed. There are some young birders around here, and it, it just kind of blows your mind. It's like I didn't start till I was, you know, like out of school and graduated <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, you know, it's all levels, and some people the bird feeder is all they need. They just need to see that life coming in and out of their yard, and that's fine for them, and that's fine. How many bird feeders do you have? Zero. Well, I have a suet feeder, and I have one sunflower okay. feeder. Mm. And, yeah, I know. All I attract is house finches and house sparrows and a half a dozen and squirrels. chickadees. The squirrels we've been managed to foil from oh. getting up into the bird feeder. We throw out peanuts to them, and unfortunately now the squirrels are knocking at our door asking <laughs> us for more peanuts. <laughs> I and tell you, um, squirrels at, get at aggressive. Least, at least it's a metal door, and... Mm, they can't scratch through the wood. You're safe for a while. Yeah, one of the nuts got wedged <laughs> in the deck between the planks, and they, they kind of chewed the wood there, oh, <laughs> trying man. to get to the nut. <laughs> so, so anyway. Before we did this podcast, I was like, well, I'm going to go to Benton Lake Wildlife Refuge okay. because I've never been there before, and we're going to have Beth on the podcast who knows everything about birds, and I don't want to seem completely clueless. So I I went there <laughs> at the end of December. Oh, in December. So I am. Uh, I'm, everything was frozen. So everything. I am still completely clueless. <laughs> I didn't see one bird. As I tell my daughter, we're gonna go see birds, and she's excited. She's about three and a half years old. Um, oh, so she can identify eagles. So, okay. Um, and we've got a lot of those during the winter. Yeah, I've seen two this like within the past two weeks. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. I still know nothing about them, not even know the appropriate time to go see birds. But we do have these brochures that we give out to our guests that are interested in bird sightseeing. And I know the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center on one of their weekend demonstrations that will be bird watching because they're located right around the River's Edge Trail. Mm -hmm. Great opportunity. So when's the best time to see birds in the Great Falls area? And then a follow-up question, what's your favorite location to see like what is you i cannot miss oh. this i need to go see the birds here um, and now there there is like no one best time it depends on what you're going to be looking for okay oh. right now you're not going to be looking for a lot of songbirds okay because most of those eat insects or little fruits and there's not too much in the way of that so right now around. we're just having the predators most of the time we have waterfowl Okay, yeah, I forgot about those guys hanging out at Giant yep, Springs. Yep, this time of year, waterfowl. Waterfowl is, is the big thing. And then we have our raptors. Okay. And the raptors are your, your hunting birds, you know, with the big hooked beaks, like bald eagles. We have golden eagles. We have rough leg hawks. We have red tail hawks in the wintertime. And we have occasional, which I saw the other day, jur falcon. Mm -hmm. um, we still have prairie falcons in the winter. Not in as many as in the summer, but we'll have merlins and uh, male kestrels. The females migrate south. The males will stick around, wow. which is kind of interesting, isn't that? That is cool. Do you know why? <laughs> um, don't know. Do you want to know? Uh, the d heart makes, uh, distance makes the, the heart, heart grows fonder. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like our osprey, they migrate south. They're obligate fish eaters. Okay. So... When the rivers are frozen, it's kind of hard to find a meal. Yeah. Okay. Um, although one showed up yesterday around Livingston, and Ooh. I'm not sure if it's going to stick around or not. It, or it, maybe it knows something we don't. So do you get like a bird alert to yeah, know? Well, How okay. did you know this? I'm thinking okay. like the midnight barking system for There's the 100 tag. Well, it goes off. <clears throat> it, years ago, it was... An answering machine that, you know, you could call up a phone number and they would tell you all the bird alerts for an area. Nowadays, it's eBird. I thought it would have been oh. on Twitter. <laughs> well, th there are bird sharing groups, but eBird is a product of Cornell University okay. in Ithaca. Western and Ornithology Magazine. The School of Ornithology. It's They put together this program and it started really small. And it's gradually, it, it's global now, and it's called eBird, and birders will go out in the field. They have an app on their phone, I could show you, um, <laughs> and they can enter all the birds that they're seeing. 
Oh, wow. The birds are seeing, how many they're seeing them. It knows exactly where they are. And when you're finished with your little bird trip that you're out there doing, you can just hit submit and it goes into the data bank. So my mischievous point of view is like, what if I download it and be like, I definitely saw <laughs> a flamingo, a, a bird of paradise. <laughs> like, what, what kind of fact checking are we going? Or are, they, they do have every list that is submitted is reviewed. Okay. So if there's something, Thank goodness. Yeah, if there is an <laughs> it's odd, beak reviewed, not peer reviewed. It's. Um, they have good birders reviewing those things. <laughs> so if something shows up that's out of season, um, in the wrong continent, uh, you know, the, the reviewer will catch that. They'll ask the submitter, uh, you... explain why you thought it was this bird. Sometimes you just hit the wrong button, button, okay. so to speak. Okay. And, or did you really see 12,000? Are you sure? <laughs> oh, no, it was only 12, you know. I got excited. <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes, it, but sometimes it's like, yeah, there really were 12,000. So they ask you to confirm what you saw. So they, they double check that. I think I would be banned from that app. <laughs> They're like, we're not dealing with you anymore. Um, and then I, I, you can sign up if you want for like rare birds seen in a certain location. I just have rare birds for Montana and okay. I get a daily email. Oh. And so the osprey showed up. Oh, as a rare bird, yeah. So it is out of can season. Can users share their I'm... photos? Yes, you can add to to your photos or your submission. You can add photos. You can add sound recordings. Oh, because oh. there's this there's this prototype of a bird feeder that has a camera on it, and it's okay. going to record the bird that eats there and then identify the species. Okay, there is a little an app you can put it on any of your any mobile device that you have called Merlin, and it's put out by Cornell. Okay, M E R L I N. It will ask you. You can identify birds with this by looking at them. It will ask you a couple basic questions like one, where are you? Okay. Two, um, what's the habitat? Are you in you know in a lake, in a forest, you know? Meadow, that type of thing. It's just like five or six basic options there. What size is the bird? Like chickadee size, robin, goose, mallard. Real easy. And what were the main colors? Okay. And it will give you a list, and usually it's just about a half a dozen, of what that bird most likely is. Huh. And I would say 95% of the time it's right there. Do you get points? (laughs) (laughs) So you can actually link... If you want to, identifying birds through Merlin to an eBird account. Oh, there's so many They're different integrated. things. They're integrated. They're integrated. Holy moly. You can like... also take a picture of that bird, and it will, it's got the learning to match it up with what you saw. Yeah, so. You I... can take a sound recording of that bird that you're watching singing, and it can match it up to what you're watching. So now I just need you to know this. I don't care about birds. They're all pretty birds. They're birds. Yay, birds. I'm now excited. I am going to get the apps. Because if you think about it, I'm going to tell my husband about it. I think his mind is going to be blown once he finds out all this that you can do because he loves them. But it's kind of like those people who played that, what is it, catch them all, the Pokemon Go. Exactly. Yeah. But it's real life and you're not. Someone described it. Recently, it's like it's like a big Pokemon game. Okay, because I didn't like that either, but now I do. <laughs> I do like this where this is going from because I'm gonna have to get the sound recording, and I'm gonna go by my dad, who often teases morning doves and does their whistle, and he confuses a lot of people too. And they're like, "What is that noise?" Like, oh, That's so you're gonna dad. record yeah. your dad, and, and I'm see? Gonna, I'm gonna see if we can be a trickster. Yeah, okay? you have to be careful if you're playing recordings. You don't want to do it during like breeding season. Oh, um, you might, especially if somebody's sitting on a nest. You don't want to pull that bird away from its nest That's because it's my... taking care of the eggs. So you have to be really careful I'm in what situation you're doing you, he's that. Do it. He's kindly, he but does do it. You know, if there's just two birds here and they're sitting there cooing at each other, well, you know. Just fine, you know. But but if you're trying to draw a bird out, you have to be careful. Think about what you're doing. Okay. Okay. Now I have to ask a question. Okay. When birds fly in a V, do you know why one side is longer than the other? (laughs) 
No, it's always interesting, isn't because it? Because there's and, more and birds it just on that shifts. side. <laughs> and it shifts, too. And it depends on which one. The, the geese don't, the, the Canada geese don't change too much. Okay. But the snow geese, it's constantly changing. Okay. Like they're you know? running it's, in formation you know, and someone yeah, else just, has to come to the front. <laughs> yeah, they do. They're, they're constantly changing. And it's just like so fascinating to watch those snow geese. So how many times... Have you been to Freeze Out Lake during the snow geese migration? Oh, just a couple because it's so crowded. Oh. <laughs> and you if want you the re- birds to yourself. Well, and if you really want to see them get up and fly off the lake in the morning because they do it like right before sunrise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to get up so early in the morning. <laughs> and it's usually so cold at that time of year. I mean, it's March and, and that 20 degrees feels like a 40 below. I mean, it's just so cold. <laughs> and you got to, yeah, it's just. So it's, I have the brochure in front of me. I, I'm not the smart people. So Freeze Out Lake Wildlife Management Area, it's 11,000 acres. Mm-hmm. And you already said the mid-March, but flocks up to 100,000 snow and Ross geese songbirds. So I'm going to go there when it's busy during sunrise, and I won't care because I'm taller than most people. So <laughs> I can be able to see over them. Yeah, you know, and it takes a few times unless you're going with somebody that's been there before to figure out where should I be sitting to get the best view of them when they oh. take off the lake. And sometimes this part of the lake is still frozen and this one's thought out and other times it's so you need to different. go by the thought out part yeah or find it, the mass concentration they're, they're of people. gonna prefer they could be massly wrong yeah <laughs> they can be they're gonna prefer sitting on the water the open water rather than on the ice okay um so you know if you can scout it out the day before or just you know plan on spending going up there a couple days wow okay i'm excited um for this because it's january right it's january Yep, two, um, two months. Two more months, and I'm, I'm going to be like, sorry, Rebecca, I'm late for work today. I was looking at hundreds of thousands of birds. <laughs> um, I'm definitely going to take my daughter, too. And it's not just the snow geese. There's swans up there. Sometimes swans? there's thousands of swans. Well, there's Clark's Nutcracker, too. Have you? That, well, that's more going to be uh, not at Freeze Out Lake. You're no, going to see that of, more in the mountains. Oh, yeah. That's part of the Augusta Loop. Sorry, I'm just yep. reading. I was going to say, if you take the Augusta <laughs> Loop, you might find them there closer so you, to the mountains. Have you done the Augusta Loop, which is a scenic drive? Yeah, a couple times, different times of the year. Yeah. Um, sometimes I haven't seen a thing, and other times it's... Have you done one of the um, demonstrations with the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center? Were I, there bird watching and I haven't done... With them. Why not? You don't think they're good enough? <laughs> wow. <laughs> just... um, one, until two months ago, I've been working you know, 50 hours a week. So oh. she has a job. She has a job. So I had a job. And so, you know, eight, eight to six every day and Saturdays, it just didn't allow for okay. All too, right. too much. I just didn't know if you had like that. some kind of bird rivalry. <laughs> no, I, I have done a couple with um, Fish, Wildlife, and Parks out of from from there do you ever lead them yeah oh so and, and then our chapter our audubon chapter will have field trips we try to have a field trip once a month do you do um, adult field trips it's for oh. whoever wants oh. to come okay but i think i even saw on the facebook page you led a walk as part of that exploration either show up early for the meeting Kept seeing your name everywhere on the on the Facebook page, so it's like, oh, she is probably our expert. Yeah, um, <laughs> she she's just crickets for the birds to eat. <laughs> yeah, you know, I if if I can, and and to me, the smaller groups are, are better. I'm not real good with really big group looking for birds because well, we scare them away. Right, they're, they're oh, yeah. harder to to see. Um, but I go out every day by myself and. Uh, probably the best company you have yeah you know (laughs) two people you know and then you start talking to each other and then you start forget to look for the birds and you miss something you know but um yeah it's it's really and then if you have different age groups you know uh, i i'm not really good with the (laughs) five-year-olds they they have such a short attention span so it takes a different kind of a person to to you're get them engaged. Excited. No, you're getting me excited. So that's that's something but, big. Yeah. So we talked about the technology. Beth, 
When did you buy your first bird book? Because you didn't have it when you saw the red necked ringworm. Duck. Ring duck bird. <laughs> ring, the the ring necked duck. Actually, we did have some bird books at that point. Um, I have our fam- my family's first Peterson's field guide. Mm, okay. My mom gave that to me. So I, I well, actually, I think I took that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Well, you know, <laughs> it, happened. It, it was, you know, we're, we're dispersing the house yep. stuff. And it was like, I want that. It doesn't have a, a book cover anymore, but it's there. There. Um, yeah. And then my mom gave me a book that she bought for her family one time for Christmas, I believe she told me. And it was Audubon's Big Bird book. And it's like even my mother birded. Um, so I, I got it from somewhere. Obviously. I remember I had to go back home, and my mom was having problems. My dad was having problems, and I walked in the house, and everything just kind of fell apart. And we had to take my mom to the hospital. And it ended up being the last time she left home. Hmm. So we were walking her out, and... You know, she already had significant dementia at that point. And, Come on, Mom, let's let's go, let's go, let's go. She looked out the back window and she goes, oh, look, there's a blue jay back there. Still identifying birds. <laughs> and, and I look back there and I'm going like, I don't see it. <laughs> Where's this blue jay that she sees? But she goes, there's the blue jay back there. Come on, Mom, let's go. Let's go. Um, so that's just kind of poignant. Mom saw a blue jay, and it was the last thing that she Do you saw think of her the... whenever you see a blue jay now? Well, we don't have too many blue jays around here. <laughs> but, but have yeah. you ever seen one then? Even though we don't have very many, it sounds oh, like yeah. we still do. That, that was back in Missouri. And okay. There's blue jays all over the place. Are so if I go back and visit my brothers or sisters, aren't or something. they mean birds? Are they? Uh, that's what I've heard. Is that wrong? Am I are wrong? there any mean birds besides predators? I mean, our references. We watched Alfred Hitchcock's. The birds. birds. I saw that at a very young age. Like so. my mother is horrible, and, and most of them are. She, she let she exposed me to Stephen King. Um, she would read the books, and then she would would go on drives, and she'd tell me about like, oh, this is the latest chapter in The Shining, and I'm five years old. Um, so then she let me. Not let me. She forced me into watching the birds at a young age, too. So, obviously, <laughs> I'm scared of birds, um, but I shouldn't be. But blue jays, yes. Jays are an aggress- more of an aggressive bird. I mean, they're a jay. Okay. They're in that family of birds. So, yeah, they'll go in and they'll eat the eggs out of a nest or something like that. Okay. Hmm. Um, well, I, I sound like a horrible, horrible person right now. I do like birds. I just like pet birds. When I was 10, my birthday gift, though my mother said it couldn't be named as the birthday gift because the amount of money and, you know, we had a cockatiel. And his Ooh. name was Ganicas, which is Spanish for marbles, because everyone in my family's name starts, all their names start with an M, so we needed the pet too. And he lived until he was 24. Oh, that's pretty good. Or 25, yeah. How long do birds normally live? I thought maybe a year. Um. <laughs> he, nope, Ganicas was long. Okay. <laughs> Your, your cockatiels can live quite was, long, especially if they have a adequate nutrition. Yeah, we were always um, sure to... He ate eggs. Yeah, he would eat our morning eggs, and he cooked liked... Cooked eggs? Uh-huh. Yeah. And he liked... That's um, good. He liked the pizza crust. He'd tunnel through that. And he would... If my mom left her wine on the counter, he would crawl <laughs> down your arm, and he would perch up on the wine glass and drink it. Like, yep. I have pictures of that. So I do like birds. Okay. Sorry, we kind of digressed. <laughs> So lifespan of birds. birds. It depends. You know, your smaller birds is going to be shorter than than your larger birds. Um, there, I think there's been bald eagles over thirty. Oh you wow! Know, they wow! Monitored because through banding and right different ways of identifying them. That's really there's long. Um, that one albatross that has um, had I don't know sixty seventy years. Oh, out goodness. on Midway Island or someplace out there that she comes back every year and lays another egg. And they've been watching her for like a, more than a lifetime. Um, yeah, she's amazing. I think it's called, she's Wisdom. That's okay. her name. And, and you can just put Wisdom, the bird in there and you'll, you'll oh cool find out about her. So, so we were talking about, we were driving somewhere and we saw a lot of quails. 
Mm-hmm. And it was on like a group of 40 or 20, just a lot. Does that happen often? Like when, on your scenic drives, do you see large groups, group of birds? that Like a gang of birds hanging really out? Sometimes. And, and those are or birds that usually will hang out together. Like quails and, and pheasants? I saw turkeys just north yeah, of Fort Benton. Yeah, like, like 20, the turkeys, 30. They, they are flocking up in the wintertime and... And your your ground birds often do as well. And then in the springtime, of course, you have your your grouse, like the sharp-tailed grouse, out at Benton Lake. Okay. That right. Oh, this you one. See that picture? Oh what? yeah. That's, yeah. That's they, a pretty bird. They come together on what they call a lek, L-E-K, and they dance. the The big sage grouse have the real fancy dance. Uh-huh. Um, but the sharp-tails are really neat and, and you can just hear them and they cluck and they purr and they spin and bounce are all around you can uh, reserve a space out at benton lake in there to watch the you can to watch them you can reserve it what um, what do you mean you, <laughs> yeah. you can reserve they, like they have a little shelter they, they have a blind out I see, there i saw the blind and in fact now i haven't watched but i know they have a because they have a solar panel up there and some cameras Oh. Out there that I think you can go to their website and watch what's going on too. But you can uh, reserve a space out there. There's enough space for maybe six people in there. Okay. Um, you go to the look up Benton Lake like, National Wildlife Refuge and to the grouse blind, and then it tells you how to to reserve a space and basically just send them an email and you tell them you know the three dates that you work best for you, and then you're putting a lottery for. A drawing to go out there, so you have to reserve your space. How, is that the only way you can see the dance? Um, because you have to get out there an hour before sunrise. Okay. Because um, they start dancing shortly before sunrise. You know, before there's very much light, you can hear them out there moving around. Okay. And they usually will pretty much finish by an hour after sunrise. So you have to be there an hour before and stay until at least an hour afterwards. So you have to get up. And this is in starts in the end of March through April to early May. Okay. And considering you know your driving time, you have to get up pretty early in the morning. Another morning thing. A very early in the morning, and sometimes it can be really cold, and other times it can be really windy. I think it's just worth it. I saw it, the, it is. I saw the sunrise this morning. We were collecting some video content, and we wanted to do it during sunrise, and it was definitely worth it now that i look at the video because it was just a bluebird jay or bluebird morning what are the bluebird skies yeah yeah it wouldn't have been that exciting I, i've been out to <laughs> i i put my name in every year out there and i've been out several times oh now. yeah do you yeah. take friends with you is it like sometimes yep or enemies it, like, <laughs> like whoever gets it's, it it's guys, gonna like, be 10 degrees out there do you want to come um <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's kind of chilly, even if you put on you know, your big your laughing boots. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, it's still cold. Um, and we're taking pictures of them. Of know? course. Yeah. So and I it's, think it's cool. I and then every once in a while, you know, something else will come by. And one time we were sitting there watching them, and they were just carrying on. And all of a sudden, whoosh, everybody disappeared. And I looked up, and here comes this bald eagle just, just you know, gliding right over the lek. <laughs> oh my I think I would probably be too excited I yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't, it was like it, you'd probably it. squeal and I would because the this, bald eagle would fly away when yeah. I first learned how to do um, top water or spinning bait for bass hunt or bass hunting bass fishing <laughs> we were on the lake at like sunset when the bass were hitting you could hear them jump and I'm yelling at my husband get the boat over there like go over there let's cast and my husband's like you're scaring the fish like yeah <laughs> so i might have to be one of those people that views it from the camera or or ruin it for everyone else I'm like, there's an eagle <laughs> so, yeah and then you know if, if you know what some of the other birds sound like you go like there's something over here what is that oh and then you can hear the meadowlarks as they wake up in the morning and then Hmm. The, the state bird of Montana. Yeah. The metal lark. So there's obviously more than just identifying birds. You're listening for sounds. You're, listen, you're, you're, you're yeah, taking you're, in the environment, knowing their behaviors. There's a lot there's that a goes lot into you can, this. Yeah. I mean, you can just look at the birds, but when you start looking at them, it's like, why did they do that? Or do they always do it this way? Um, 
Yeah, so you're learning about the birds and the habitats and why aren't they, why are they here and not here? So it's, it's ex- I'm excited. So, so there's I, a lot you can learn. It's just not a little feathered thing. Right. I grew up in northern Montana. Montana is a very large state. I did not see my first sandhill crane until I lived in central Montana. Now, I can tell you, I thought that was the oddest looking bird I had ever seen in my life. I'm like, what planet have I just arrived at? And I was looking at that. Can you tell me what bird you've seen in this area where you're like, well, that's an odd looking bird? (laughs) Hmm. Or the one Um, you're most surprised by the way it looks? Well, the sandhill crane is, is, you know, looks prehistoric. It does. It sounds prehistoric when you hear it. And then if you hear it echoing, um, the first time I ran into it was down in Yellowstone Park. Um, yeah. Probably 78, something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, and it was just like, you know, we're walking on trails and you're just hearing it echoing <laughs> way over here. And it's just. It's just so, so eerie sounding. Um, I dressed up as Big Bird for the Great Falls Symphony Halloween performance. Rebecca and I emceed um, the symphony's performance for that. And we learned that birds are just dinosaurs. So <laughs> possibly the prehistoric looking yeah. sandhill crane is, is more dinosaur-y than others. So yeah. if you have kids that are interested in dinosaurs, then you can get them interested in birds because they're What's so my related. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you start looking at, so where did birds come from? And you, can, you can go down another rabbit hole there. Yeah. <laughs> Which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> yeah. So I have another question. I, brought, I have more questions now that we're continuing to talk. We also regurgitate information that you say to us, to our guests. So I'm going to sound really smart soon. <laughs> if I'm visiting Great Falls for a few hours and I just want to enjoy birds... Would you send someone out to Giant Springs State Park along the River's Edge Trail, or should they venture out to, say, First People's Buffalo Jump State Park? Because I see that's another area where people can go and watch birds. It kind of depends on the time of the year. Okay, so um, when should I send them where? Is, right now, I would probably uh, go down along Giant Springs and walk along the trail there. Yeah, because they're... Because everything upstream is pretty well iced up, and... Um, I will go up in the Garden Home Park area along there where the Tribune is and okay. Broadwater mm-hmm. Bay. It's pretty well frozen. Um, there are times I go up there and there may be 5,000 Canada geese sitting and clucking around. And, and it's just amazing to cure them. And then all of a sudden they decide, breakfast time, let's go. And then they just start. And, and in 30 minutes, they can all be gone. Oh, wow. And then they're all honking as they leave. It's, that's just an amazing sight and sound to to watch them and hear them all go out and then there's like nothing left (laughs) um so then things are pretty sparse there right now uh with all the ice so if you go down to giant springs it's it's a little well it's their spa there right now yeah yeah so there's thousands of mallards that's for sure Mm -hmm. um this year there isn't a lot of variety for some reason okay there's thousands of mallards (laughs) um (laughs) So and, and, sometimes, and sometimes there's thousands of geese. So yesterday morning, there were like, where are the geese? Well, there's about a dozen. It's like, I don't know where they were. You know, the other morning, there were a thousand geese. Um, but there were still 2,000 mallards. mallards. <laughs> Do you enjoy simple bird watching, like at Gibson Pond, when there's, I mean, there's waterfall there year-round? Those um, are domestic ducks <laughs> they're sassy they're getting sassier yeah. by the day yeah um they're definitely spoiled and i i, th- I think we're missing the sign that says don't feed them bread because if you do they'll get the angel wing yeah bread doesn't have a lot of nutrition in there for them unfortunately but, um but, but you don't but you, they'll come up so yeah i i know those are domestic no. ducks although you know when you're walking along the river and you're seeing and it's like that's not a mallard. That's way too big. I mean, it's one of those escapees. <laughs> so, and sometimes you'll see, uh, you know, a pair or three of them, and you'll see them like all summer long. They're just up and down the river until they it's go somewhere. I don't know to to where Hilton. they go. Yeah. But right now, down around Giant Springs, there are 
golden eyes. There's both barrows and common okay. golden eye, mostly common golden eye. There's a lot of little buffle heads. They have the males have the little white buffle okay. head. Um, there's a few hooded mergansers, which are really cute looking guys. Uh, there's a pair of red breasted mergansers, and the male there looks really neat. I think. Who names these birds? I want to. <laughs> I want to be in the bird naming. You committee. know, yeah, and, and there's not too many others. Um, the hooded mergansers, the barrows, the common golden eye for sure. Sometimes we will have. There's a few lesser scalp around. There's a few ring neck ducks around, and a few redheads. But pretty much, you know, sometimes we'll have a few others, but they're not there right now. There is a pair of trumpeter swans. That are fly, they fly down and then they fly up and they're sticking around down there by around the the giant springs area. Huh. Um, then you watch around and of course there's bald eagles. Yes. Um, bald eagles at this time of year, they'll take injured ducks, and there is hunting right down there around giant springs. Um, Hundred dollars have paid for a lot of areas around giant springs, so. There is some duck hunting down there, and it ends on the 14th. But there are always injured ducks that come floating down the river, and the bald eagles will Get take them. them. So they're just soaring back and up and down. And there's adult bald eagles, and there's one-year-olds, there's two-year-olds, and there's three-year-olds. How do you tell the difference? How much white they have. Oh. Um, the the one-year-old bald eagles don't have any white on their head. Okay. And underneath, they're brown, but it looks like someone just took a toothbrush and white paint and went... Okay. And it's just kind of splattered with white underneath. Huh. It's kind of funny looking. By the time they're three years, they have some white streaks in the head, and you can okay. see that. Um, yeah, my husband probably helps feed the bald eagles then. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and then there's also rough leg hawks. They're more of a grassland because they're looking for more rabbits or voles and little tiny things. But every once in a while, you'll see them swoop over the river and then back when you're down there at Giant Springs. What else have I seen? Um, the Jur Falcon was, was great. It, it came flying up the river. My husband was down downstream, and I was upstream, and I saw it coming, and I'm going like, whoa, that's a big, gray, heavily streaked falcon look at those pointed wings and steady f- wing beats and i'm watching it I'm going like is it a prairie falcon or is it a merlin on steroids i don't know it's a really really huge bird and, you know and then when i got to my husband he said i think i saw took a picture of a jerf falcon and he shows me this really great picture <laughs> and i'm going like and it was like full framed when he showed it to me i'm going like oh Falcon. <laughs> yeah, we'd both seen the same bird. That's awesome. That is so cool. Yeah. So, so then outside they, of... Well, I got to tell you about a Jura Falcon. They reproduce above the Arctic Circle. Okay. okay. So they, they reproduce way up there where it's always cold, on cliff edges and things Ooh. like that. And they migrate down in the wintertime. So we'll see a few in the wintertime in Montana. Because we're south to them. We are, we are, we are for the winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is nice and warm weather for them down here. Along with, I already mentioned the rough lake hawk, also Arctic breeds. Zero. Yep, um, we have some other birds that come down here from the Arctic. Too. I would have never guessed we were the place that birds go south for the winter. I know. At. Yeah, no. <laughs> the most of the the red red tail hawks that we have around here in the winter also come from like Alaska and north of here. And the ones that we have in the summertime, they move south. Oh, okay. So it's interesting. We have uh, shrikes. We get both loggerhead and northern shrikes in Montana. But in the wintertime, we get the northern shrike, which reproduces north. Okay. And then so in the spring, he goes north, and the one the loggerhead shrike comes back from the south, and he'll breed and nest up in Montana in the summertime. They look similar, but it's kind of neat. You know, we're right there where... A lot of birds collide. Yeah, we get the winter birds that come south, and then the south ones come north. And so we have in Montana a lot of both. So we've talked about the winter time. What kind of places should our guests be going in the summertime, and what kind of birds would they see then? In the springtime, you can go anywhere. 
Okay. Um, uh, Giant Springs is good for migrants in the springtime. Um, rural late March or late May, mid-May to the end of May. Um, they're just pouring through. Um, you can go along the River's Edge Trail and find a lot of migrants. Um, you're looking for habitat that may have trees and really tall shrubs and, you know, head-eye shrubs and not like Gibson Park that's just grass and trees sticking up like lollipops. That's not habitat for birds. So you want different stories. Okay. So if you have that kind of thing, and especially if you have something blooming, because blooms attract insects, and then insects feed birds. So uh-huh. you, you've got all that stuff going on. So, you know, the, when the current bushes start blooming in the spring, you can start looking for something flying in there, looking for birds. If you have things like hawthorn trees, they have nice blossoms that really attract a lot of bugs. Okay. <laughs> and you'll have warblers warblers coming in, trying to get that. Um, so... When you start thinking about that and you're seeing the birds eating all these bugs out of the trees, you're thinking, you know, I shouldn't be spraying for bugs in my trees because they're feeding a ton of birds. Yeah. So so almost better than a bird feeder. Oh, absolutely. Buggy trees. Buggy yeah. trees. Plant your native trees, which okay. can survive any bugs that are on them. Okay. So you have native trees, native bushes that have berries. Because then the the berries and the flowers are all staggered, so you'll have natural bird food all year long. Because really, not all that many your really pretty birds don't eat bird seed. <laughs> well, I don't I don't think most of the birds eat the bird seed; it just ends up on they, the they, ground. They throw it around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a food fight. I know. Yeah. My squirrels take care of the seeds, so they're really good. Yeah, I feed the, those squirrels. They'll, they'll, they'll clean do. up the stuff off the ground. <laughs> yeah, because there's not too much else for them to eat. I don't care. They're they're a little cute. One of them is missing a tail, but he's still my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> we have tail issues with ours too. You know, like, it's okay, guy. Come back anytime. <laughs> yep. One had a short tail. Well, he disappeared. But then we have another one that has like a just a chunk of hair missing out in the middle of his tail and <laughs> man so yeah. you, so you mentioned the so summertime though is there any highlighted area summertime you... um they're they're nesting so in the springtime they're singing they're easier to find it's like okay. what's singing when they're nesting most of them are going to go quiet okay so it's harder to find them oh okay and then fall again is when they start kicking fall back. they're Moving Moving. south, so then we'll see migrants moving south. Yesterday morning, I had the window in the bathroom open while I was getting ready, and all I heard was just chirping. I don't know what lives next to my house, but there's a lot of them. (laughs) Your house sparrows and house finches are going to do a lot of chirping. Yesterday, I I heard a house finch starting to sing. So, yeah, I think anytime after mid January, you you might start singing. The, The days are getting longer. Yeah. Doesn't have to do much much with the temperature. It's the day length, you know. It's getting longer, and they're going to start singing some. And the house finches sing so nice. We have this huge, one huge pine tree in our yard. And last year, there was a gray bird. I'm going to call it a dove. It may or may not have been a dove. I don't Ick. know. Uh, pit smaller than a pigeon. Okay, maybe it was a pigeon. I have no idea, but it lived in our tree while it nested, (laughs) and it scared the crap out of me one day. I was walking by, and there it was. I just walked by and saw it staring at me, and I was, so I back away, like, you're okay. Just stay where you are. I'll get away from you. I'll leave. Was it a big spruce tree? A big uh, pine. Okay. Uh, Blue. No, blue blue spruce. spruce. Okay. Um, We have Eurasian collared doves, and they can kind of... Who, you know, some people mistake them. Oh, I hear an uh, in Giant Springs. I heard an owl hooting. It was the Eurasian collared dove. It was daytime. <laughs> um, they're very similar to the morning dove, but okay. they morning dove have a nice pointed tail. You know, it comes okay. down to a point. And the Eurasian collared dove, it's straight across. It's a flat tail. They're just bigger, bulkier, and they have a collar, a black collar around the back of their okay. neck. Yeah. And they do like blue spruce for nesting in. Well, I just wanted to give it its space. Like, you can 
You can live in our tree. It's fine. Like, I didn't want it to get scared. So Their recent arrivals, maybe last 10 to 15 years in Great Falls, they are a non-native bird. They came from Eurasia originally. (laughs) Then they got down there in some Mediterranean islands. Then they hopped over to Florida. And from Florida, they just... You could see it, you know, if you watch the population and the bird numbers, and you could probably find it in eBird, you could just see how the population exploded all the way across. Are they invasive? Are they causing some problems? No, they don't think they're causing any problems. They may just kind of... Until it's too late. (laughs) Armageddon. I I really don't think they like cold winters too much, but... So they're lost. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes, you know, some there have been some comments that people think that they just don't handle the cold weather very well. Like It's like, all of a sudden, I don't have too many collared doves around. Um, most people don't mind that, but they seem to be fitting in. Uh, they don't seem to be pushing anything really out, although okay. there's others that will say, yeah, they're taking the place of the morning dove. Some, Hmm. The jury's still kind of out as far as I know. On we that. have an invasive species expert we've had on our program, um, and, and he's fun. Colin is a great time. He gets as excited about invasive species and telling us where they come from, I'm what gonna, issues they cause. I'm going to email him immediately after We're this gonna episode. We've got Eurasian collar doves, too. <laughs> so it's not just, yeah. Well, one it's of the things we the learned. It's not the problem, yeah. like... Zebra mussels and bullfrogs and yeah, yeah those type of things. Th- those can be really <laughs> bad. Yeah, he told us about the end of the world and how we're causing it. So when you're like, hey, goldfish, the- yeah, uh, yeah, goldfish, oh yeah, it's like there's goldfish in that little pond. But don't stop growing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Florida is terrible for invasive, so but we're uh, not there. We're not. Nope. <laughs> Thank you, goodness. You're here in Montana. So all you Floridians, feel free to jump a plane, fly to Great Falls. And invade Great Falls. And see our birds. So <laughs> don't I'm, bring your invasive species with you. Just watch the ones we've yes, got here. Just bring your binoculars. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to put some information on our website about the um, bird sighting opportunities here in Great Falls and some of the scenic routes that you can take from Great Falls to experience the hundreds and thousands of birds and their species. Yeah. Um, I know that the Upper Missouri River Breaks Association, Association do they do anything with birds? I know they... Our Audubon chapter. Your Audubon, upper, okay. upper Missouri Breaks Audubon. Okay. Um, yeah, we do some things. Um do you have any events that uh, tourists are able to attend or jump in on? Or is it more of, hey, we're the experts here. Look at our website. This is what we've seen. Yeah, we're a sp- pretty small group. So, okay. um, Don't you know. join them, people. Never mind. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we try Let to them ha- be. We, we have be. our monthly programs. And okay. uh, like I said, we try to have a some type of a field trip once a month. Last month, we just did the Christmas bird count. And that was, okay. that was it. This month, I'm going to... Weather and roads permitting, we're going to head out and we're going to look for raptors, okay. especially winter raptors, and we'll find golden eagles and bald eagles and, and some nice birds like that. Well, um, awesome. But we, we don't have any uh, programs like that. We've been doing some weed pulling out at Giant Springs. There's a lot of knapweed we we're complaining about, and finally we just said, well, we're just going to... We're doing it. We're, we're going out there and we're going to be pulling some weeds. So we pulled some weeds for three years so far, and a few areas have fewer weeds. Thank you. <laughs> and every time I walked through it, it was like, i got to hit this spot next year and this spot next year. So, <laughs> um, so we're doing that. We're also helping with some habitat there. Um, and we're actually going to help out with some habitat out at... Um, the, the cemetery there's oh. a, some of the really old areas just kind of bare and it's like you know i think we could get some some shrubs and some smaller stuff out there that might at least be protective for some of our grassland birds and some are, of our little birds are you talking um, about highland park cemetery mm-hmm. yeah Where charlie russell's buried yeah so two birds one and stone, stone. You could go out and see all the historic people that reside there and check and out all the birds. Birding. People bird cemeteries quite a bit because most of them have some trees and shrubs in it. It seems to attract 
things. It's, it's kind of strange, but they do that. Well, I for don't think time, it's strange. <laughs> for a long while, well at th- there was a pair of great horned owls nesting out at Highland. Um, their tree and their nest got blown down. It just decayed. Oh. It was just an old tree. Great horned owls do not build their own nest. They take over, right? They take over, right. Squatter's rights. Mm. Yep. So without a home there, and by that time, those owls were getting pretty old anyway. So we haven't had any nesting out there, but there's, you know, little birds up in the trees. You know, you just take your time and listen and watch that they are out there. So we've got the tall trees there already, but we're going to, on the edges, we're going to help with doing that. That's going to be cool. Hopefully, we can do it over a period of a couple of years and get some established and then add some more. Also, out at uh, Giant Springs, we've done a few plantings. We're, uh, Northwest Energy is doing a really big project out there. They're going to be planting, I don't know how many cottonwoods up um, beyond Heritage Park area. Okay, okay. And they've recently fenced their what they call the boneyard where they have just store equipment and trailers and that type of thing and we're going to help plant some shrubs and stuff to help kind of hide the fencing and and build a- attract birds yeah so huh. you know we're going to concentrate on some Go more northwest of the, energy i like the short, them oh yeah they're doing so if you see something going on there and they're planting a bunch of trees and That's putting fine. in the watering system and everything it's a really big project That's really nice. So we're excited about that. Well, thank you so much, Beth, for coming on the podcast. Like I said, I'm going to put this information on our show notes, which is at warnodamexperts.com. Okay. If you have any questions about birding or want to talk to me about your trip coming up to Great Falls, Montana, please give me a call at 406-761-4436. I was going to say, I don't know why anyone's going to call you about birding, but we have learned quite a bit today. Yes. Well, they're going to say they're excited just like I am, and they're going to come out and reserve. <laughs> we're going to become friends, and we're going to reserve the hutch or the, the viewing area for six people. We'll be hot cocoa for everyone, and we'll be really loud. Yeah, you want to bring something warm. <laughs> yeah. Well, Beth, I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us today. Um, We'd love to keep you on the list for more information because this can't be the only time we talk about birds because it's such a strength for our area for people to enjoy and experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can. I can still get a lifetime bird, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, I haven't finished birding Cascade County yet. Oh well, it and sounds most of like them are in Great Falls. Yeah. Sounds like we've got a lot of opportunity here. So plan your trip. Let Maudie help you. And until we see your bright, smiling, happy face here in Great Falls, we hope you're having amazing memories with your family wherever you are. And then you better be planning that trip out. Bye bye. We're no damn experts as the recorded claims from Great Falls, Montana, covering what you need to know about this amazing damn town. Damn, that felt good. On the next episode of We're No Damn Experts, Rebecca and Maddie share with you everything they know about the 2022 ticketing system to enter Glacier National Park. We're No Damn Experts is produced by Great Falls Montana Tourism with original music by the best damn musician, Joel Corda.